Hey fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 144 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today is going to be a very interesting one. Uh, in fact, so much so that I wasn't going to publish it because I was worried about uh, potentially being politically incorrect. Uh, but I put it out on Facebook and I had a lot of people tell me to publish it anyway. Uh, so here it is um, with a slight warning. I will warn listeners that um, some of the things you may hear may, be, uh, may not jive with you. It may rub you up the wrong way. Um, my guest is a traditional Orthodox rabbi. Um, his name is Rabbi Manis Friedman. Um, he wrote a book called The Joy of Intimacy. Uh, we talk about a number of things. Uh, one of them is, why is everyone on Viagra? <laughs> um, the difference between being alone and feeling lonely. What your grandmother did in the bedroom. Why porn is so attractive. And how to have real intimacy. Please subscribe to the show if you want to get updates every time I post another episode. And don't forget to subscribe to my daily show, The Daniel Geffen Show. That's The Daniel Geffen Show. Hit that subscribe button. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. All right, Manis Friedman, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. All the way to the Holy Land. All the way to the Holy Land. So, um, I'm holding a copy of your book here called The Joy of Intimacy. Um, I've been married 11 years now, and I could tell you that intimacy freaks the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, and my wife, my wife tells me that, and uh, I know that. Um, it's it's an interesting topic, um, and I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding around the topic of intimacy. Oh yeah. Uh, what I mean in your definition, what is what is intimacy? Why do we crave it so much, and why are we so afraid of it? It's, first of all, not well understood. We're always afraid of things we don't understand. But what it is, is the antidote to aloneness, to being alone in the world. In fact, that's what, that's what the Torah says it's right there in the Bible. Therefore, should a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and become one. Mm -hmm. The whole purpose of marriage is to become one with someone else. Because just you is not enough. Okay, I can mean I can relate Intimacy to the loan. creates that bond. Nothing else does. So you can be happily married and still right. feel alone in the world. Right. Because the intimacy is missing. It's a functional relationship, no complaints, everything's good, everyone's doing their job, but you're living side by side. Hmm. It's interesting because I, you know, I could feel like I'm, a, I'm an accomplished person, I've done a lot, um, married, you know, children, and yet I could feel very, very lonely at times. Um, 
and I can't even put it into words. It's such a deep loneliness. Right. Um, it's almost more than lonely. It's alone. Different. Right. What is the difference between loneliness and uh, and being alone? Lon loneliness can be remedied by going to a party, but then you come home alone. So you've taken the loneliness away, but you haven't taken the aloneness away. Wouldn't it be the opposite? Wouldn't it be that when I go to a party, I'm not alone, but I could feel loneliness in the party? You are alone. You can be alone even in a marriage, certainly in a party. What is that? What you, is that? You can feeling? use the words interchangeably if you want, but right. the point is that being all alone in the world is worse than being lonely. Because being lonely could be boring. You know, you're bored, you need some entertainment, some distraction, but aloneness doesn't come from being bored. It comes from being alone. And being alone is no good. So where does, it come, where, does, where does that come from, that feeling of, of being alone? Where does it come from and, and what do you do to, to not be alone? Okay, so the only explanation that is of any value whatsoever is again, right there in the beginning of the description of creation. God created the first human being, male and female. So to be a complete human being, you have to be both male and female. Then God separates Adam from Eve or Eve from Adam, and we think that's a big improvement. Because <laughs> now we're normal. Right? right. No, we're not. The separation is not natural because we weren't created separate. We were created as one and then got separated. Well, all separation is unnatural. And all separation is unholy. Holiness is all about oneness. So separation, distance, alienation, these are unholy things. So we have a need to go back to our truest nature, which is to be both male and female. And the way to do that is by bonding a male with a female to where they become one again. Um, okay, so talking about alienating, <laughs> you might be alienating a lot of the audience because there are a lot of people who are listening to this who are single, um, who maybe may, may not be interested in, in getting married, um, or they've been through marriage and they're divorced and they're not interested in trying it again. Um, you've also got, you know, um, homosexual who are not going to get married to a woman. Um, and you have women who are not going to get married to a man. It's a, it's a lot of people that are basically, according to your definition, will always be alone and will always feel alone because they don't have... Say Maybe. Sorry? But right. we're trying to solve the problem of those who are married because we got our own problems. <laughs> so right. yes, other, okay. other people have other issues, but married couples have their issue, and I think their issue is a lack of intimacy. So here's here's what here's what we're leading up to. 
if you're connecting to somebody through an agent, like I connect to you because we both like broadcasting. Mm -hmm. I'm not really connecting to you. So as much as we spend time together and really enjoy doing things together, as soon as that activity is over, I'm back to my alone condition. So a love that is dependent on something probably isn't going to last. In order for it to last, it has to be independent of all things. So a husband who says, I love everything about my wife, sounds ideal. She says, I'm all alone in the world. Why? Because he loves everything about her. Does he love her? I ask him, but do you love her? He says, what about her? I said, no, no, no. Not about her, her. He doesn't know what that means. If you take all things out of the picture, what's left? I shouldn't love you for your money. I shouldn't love you for your looks. I shouldn't love you for the sex. I shouldn't love you for the love. I should just love you. <laughs> Who is you? Know why I'm alone? Hmm. Do, you, do you see why I'm alone? You don't even know what I am if you take away the stuff. So we can really enjoy all that stuff. He loves everything about his wife. He's delighted to be married to her. But they haven't gotten to the intimacy. And that's the difference between intimacy and sex. The problem is that people assume that sex is intimacy. Maybe it used to be. Not anymore. Not since the 60s. When it became recreational. Right. So the nature of sex is that it separates people. It doesn't bond them. Because if you're looking for sex and you get sex, then that's what you have. You didn't connect with the person. You connected to the sex. So imagine if a man would say to a woman, I want to marry you for your money. <laughs> He's actually saying, I don't want to marry you. <laughs> I want to marry the money, but right. there's no ceremony for that. <laughs> so, so we'll make a ceremony with you, but really I'm marrying the money. Worse than that, there is such an obvious insult. I'm marrying you for your money, which means, you know, if I could just get the money and not bother with you, I'd be even happier. So when two people share sex, it's almost like saying, you know, if I could have the sex without having to put up with you, and that's known as pornography. Right. Pornography is um, impersonal pleasure, impersonal sex. I want the sex. I don't really want you. So please don't have an opinion. Don't have a personality. Don't have needs. 
Just sex, okay? That's so insulting. Right. And by the way, we do that with God. I just want to get to heaven. I want to get to I don't want to go to hell. So who has the key? God. Oh, oh. Okay, so now I have to put up with God in order to get to heaven. <laughs> but if I could get to heaven without him, I would be even better. It's so insulting. It's so not Jewish. Can you be intimate with yourself? No. So you can, there's no way that you can be on your own and with nothing and just be at peace, complete. inner peace, complete no. inner peace. No. With the Buddha, the Buddhists claim that uh, they can be enlightened sitting on a mountain top. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's here's another shocking intimacy is a human need. Sex is not. Hmm. It's not a need. Well, it, well, to some people it's a need. <laughs> like to some people, drinking is a need. Or Correct. chocolate. Or going to the bathroom. No, no, that's a real need. If right. you don't do that, you, do that, you die. Uh, right. So not being alone is a, is a real human need. Having sex is like chocolate. Everybody enjoys it, and you can never have enough. <laughs> Why can't you ever have enough? Because you didn't need it in the first place. How can you satisfy what isn't a need? Well, you could say the same thing about water. You can never have enough, and I could say, well... Oh, I can have enough. Could you? Yeah. Till tomorrow, then you got to have more. Oh, okay. you got to right. develop a new thirst. But I've, I've satisfied the thirst I had. And the same with food. Unless it's junk food. <laughs> junk food doesn't satisfy any need. Hmm. So you can never have enough. Okay. What about if someone's addicted? Does that become a need? An unhealthy one. See, that's, that's exactly the problem with, a, with an addiction. It... It turned a non-need into a need. Now, how do you get out of there? Could you, could you turn it back into a, a non-need? That's what all therapy is trying to do, right? Right, trying to do, correct. Yeah, yeah. maybe not so successfully. No. So here's the point. When I discovered, I've, I've been doing marriage counseling for a long time, mm -hmm. and marriage counseling meant two very angry, hateful people are going to come into your room and, and tear each other apart. And you got to fix that. So we kind of got used to, you know, that people have different opinions, different needs, and they clash. And okay, okay, we'll, we'll work on it. But when I started hearing from happily married couples that they feel all alone in the world, that was shocking. Hmm. In England, the, the government actually started a uh, a branch in the uh, Department of Health to deal specifically with the issue of loneliness. Because when you feel alone, 
your immune system crashes and then you become vulnerable to all sorts of diseases which of course the government doesn't want to pay for and it's socialized medicine so they're trying to find a way to cure the loneliness before it turns into a disease interesting mindfulness is very big right now uh, they're trying to, I feel like they're trying to cure the disease as we're talking about right now as well what do you think mindfulness is going in the wrong direction with this no, it's a very good thing. Because okay. what is the opposite of mindful? Mindless. Yeah, or senseless. Right. That's another issue, a true issue. Human beings must have a sense of purpose. It's an absolute, indispensable human condition. And that's why when things happen seemingly for no reason, it destroys us. We can't handle chaos. Hmm. everything must have a reason mm -hmm. because we are mindful human beings so mindlessness or chaos drives us crazy and that's as it should be if we get comfortable with chaos we're losing our humanity mm -hmm. so when people say look just accept the fact that things happen in life for no particular reason, you never know what's going to happen, there is no rhyme or reason, and just get used to it. No. No. Get used to it means stop being human. Can't do that. So, intimacy is a real need, and when you have it, you're content. Sex is not a real need, so no matter how much you have, it doesn't do anything for you. And that's why the, the thought or the message that if you just enjoy a good, healthy, sexual life, you will be happy. Why isn't it working? Why is everybody on Viagra? Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, a, that's your next book, Robert Friedman. Why is yeah. everyone on Viagra? I actually yeah. think that would sell, I think that would sell a lot more copies than The Joy of Intimacy. Why is, everyone, why is everyone still on Viagra? Uh, yeah. Great title. Um, I, I've in, you know what I found interesting is um, the first years of my marriage were really, really difficult. Um, and the turning point for, for us was emotional space. That was huge. When my wife and I were able to give each other space it changed the whole marriage which is interesting because here we are talking about intimacy and when you think of the word intimacy you think of closeness um, in fact when when you first get married when I first got married I, I didn't want to leave I, in fact I didn't let I'm gonna say this it's gonna be very embarrassing to say this in public but um, my wife's best friend was engaged uh, and it was our first we, we were I think our first year of marriage and she wanted to fly um, to, to New York we were in Israel at the time and um, I didn't let her go I basically told her she can't go because I felt that if she would go and she would have a good time without me she can't love me she can't really love me if she can go somewhere else and have a great time 
yeah. and one, you know. So here, here's what, what the dynamics of the of the relationship. Giving each other space means not needing things from each other, not using each other for some things. That creates space. On the other hand, by not needing things from each other, you get closer to each other. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be expressed in things. You can be separated by an ocean. Right. And you feel completely bonded. You're not alone in the world. See, then you may feel lonely because <laughs> you miss her. But you're not alone. Because there's is, somebody in the world that you are bonded with. So you're saying that even if a spouse passes away, you could still have that intimacy or you can still not feel alone because you have because you had and still in some sense have that bond even though they're not even in the world anymore. They're not even alive. Right. So you're bonded soul to soul, but mm. not body to body. The miracle of marriage is that it's not just a meeting of the minds, it's not just a merging of two souls, that's easy. Bodies, bodies don't merge so easily. When two bodies can become one, that's a total... So, let's talk about the bedroom for a moment. You ask your grandmother, <laughs> what, what, hypothetically, yeah, hypothetically. what what goes on in the bedroom? What happens in the bedroom? Your grandmother's answer is nothing. <laughs> you say, come on, tell me. Nothing. And she's right. She's giving you the right answer. What happens in a bedroom? Nothing happens in a bedroom. There are no things in a bedroom. There's just him and her. He's not a thing. She's not a thing. And don't bring things into the bedroom. Oh, boy. A bedroom is a no-thing zone. Mm -hmm. Which means there is no music. There are no candles. There are no lights at all. There is no thing. It's just them being together. No limits. Nothing coming between them. Even physically, they're not allowed to be wearing clothes. Nothing should be coming between them. Not even a distracting thought. So, all intimacy must be in the dark. For a simple reason. If the light is on, you're going to see. When you see, you always see something. You can't right. see intimacy. But you have to be attracted to your spouse. Before you go into the bedroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't start in the bedroom. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you got to have some reason for going into the bedroom. So yes, of course. But once you get to the bedroom, you're getting past all things. Well, hold all on, the what, things what? you love about each other mm -hmm. become irrelevant when you get to the intimacy. 
Now what it's not about anything. What happens if someone, if a guy comes to you and says, Rabbi Friedman, you know, when I first married my wife, she was slim, she was young, you know, now she's had, you know, however many children, she looks different, she's aged. I'm not attracted. What do you say? And that's that? correct if you're looking for sex. If that was your condition, you married her for her looks, you married her for the sex. Now the looks are gone, the sex is not so special, you don't need her anymore. Because you never needed her. You just wanted something from her. Okay, not hold, hold on. So, let's just assume now, according to what you're saying, you don't really need the physical attraction, you don't really need anything physical, you just need two souls bonding together. Here's the thing. The reason we have to choose a spouse and, and be very particular about it is because we want to bond with the person. But if something about the person disturbs me, I'm not going to be able to get to her. I'll be stuck on this thing that bothers me. So when you're checking out a spouse, a potential spouse, you want to make sure that her personality doesn't conflict with yours, that her opinions are in line with yours, that her body is appealing and comfortable. Because if it's not, you'll get stuck on this thing and you won't get to her. But in reverse, if you're really in love with something about her, you're going to get stuck on that thing. You'll never get to her. Okay, but then, then according to what you're saying, when we date to get married, we should actually probably we should marry the person who is very unattractive, because then we know that we're marrying them not for the thing. Whereas if we marry someone who's extremely attractive. Well, then we're going to be screwed in about nine years from now because <laughs> she's not going to look like that anymore. If you could do that, good luck. <laughs> I don't think that's even allowed, right? It's not allowed. It's not allowed because it's not going to work. If any little thing about her disturbs you, don't marry her. But that doesn't make any sense because according to what you're saying, we shouldn't be marrying someone based on a thing. That's true. Things develop. They develop. They do, but don't go into it with things. Once you're married, you'll handle whatever things develop. But to go into a marriage knowing that uh, this freckle on her nose bothers you, hmm. what are you doing? You're not going to get to her, which is, of course, the goal. So when you're dating, you're being very petty, you're being very selfish. That's the point of dating. But once you decide to marry someone, all of that becomes irrelevant. Okay. So how do you get rid of all the things and really create intimacy with your spouse? So you know the expression, um, accept me for who I am? Yes. I never understood. When people say, can you accept me for who I am? Yeah, if you can tell me who you am. <laughs> nobody, you're saying nobody knows who they really are. 
Nobody knows what that even means. Who are right. you really? I don't know. How do you describe a person without describing things? Hmm. Okay. The point is, intimacy creates a bond to where it's not something about the person, it's that you don't, you don't identify yourself without her. I am not me without you. I don't I feel, know who I am yeah. without you. I feel That's that. called bonded. But that could also be called codependent. If, if, if it's about things. Codependent is always about things. Security, money, power, that kind of stuff. Okay. So um, listen, right. the, our, our, our grandparents' marriages were ideal, right? Oh, they were really married. They stayed together through thick and thin. They were really... And you say, you know, in good, the good old days, marriage was real. And most people say, oh, give me a break. They were miserable. <laughs> sure, they didn't get divorced. Right, they screamed they and shouted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So here's, here's the way to understand this. When they married, they married each other. They bonded with each other because that's what marriage meant. You and me forever. And not about anything, because we didn't have anything. <laughs> it wasn't about anything. So here's, here's the difference between their marriage and our marriage. In their marriage, they were bonded to each other. And there were many things about each other they really didn't like. So they bickered about it. They complained about it. Why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? But get divorced? What, not have you? That was unthinkable. Today, we're the exact opposite. We love everything about the person we married. <laughs> we just don't know why we have to put up with her. <laughs> Can't I have all those goodies without you? And that's why we still feel alone in the world. Because having things doesn't take away the aloneness. Mm. So it's not how much you share in common. And you know, you know, pop psychology, if you're having a problem in your marriage, you have to work on the love. You have to love each other more. You have to give each other more love. No. That's the whole problem. I am married to love, and I don't understand what she's doing in my house. I just want the love. So I, I wrote this book 20 years ago called Doesn't Anyone Doesn't Blush, anyone blush anymore? anymore? That title was chosen by the publisher. The title I wanted was Shut Up, I Love You. <laughs> <laughs> I like that <laughs> because one Because <better. laughs> so many problems in marriages is because, look, I love you. That's not good enough. You have to have a personality. <laughs> You have to have an opinion also. You're ruining everything. So can't you just shut up and let... That is so pornographic. 
And yet people are doing it. We're living our lives this way. So a quick, a quick uh, example. Right? A, a woman marries this magnificent man like Christopher Reeves. Remember him? Yes, Superman. S Superman. And then he gets into an accident and he's paralyzed from his neck down. Hmm. Let's say he's paralyzed for 10 years. And his wife takes care of him. And at the end of 10 years, he passes away. And now his wife is grieving. And you come to the wife and you say, excuse me, but what are you upset about? For the last 10 years, what was he good for? Hmm. Nothing. For the last 10 years, what did he do for you? Nothing. For the last 10 years, what did you get from him? Nothing. So what are you crying about? Her answer, of course, would be, until now, I had him. Now I don't have him. It's not about things. There's nothing about your wife that is more important than your wife. If we're missing that little detail, <laughs> we're hardly married. Hmm. So sometimes these couples come and they say, we're having this problem, this problem, I hate this, I hate that, blah, blah. You think we should get divorced? <laughs> I say, no. I think you should try getting married. Because <laughs> you never got married. You never get, got past your things. So if you're getting married because you need something from your spouse, don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. So treat your spouse like your child. In some way, yes. Because a child, it doesn't matter what thing, what they look like, how they, nothing. It, you love them for, for them. There is nothing. Yes. Yeah. In some way, surprisingly, the intimacy bonds a man and a woman more than the bond you have with your parents or with your children. Yes, yeah. The only way to become one with someone is with a spouse. Because to your parents, you're number three. <laughs> you're not number one. They have each other. Hopefully. Right. Well, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the same with children. Right. You can't be one with your child. You have a wife. So your child, at best, is number three. The only relationship in which you are it, you're, you're it, is in marriage. So in some sense, that bond is stronger than the best bond you can have with your parents. And that's why once you're married, according to Jewish law, you're no longer obligated to honor your parents. Because your spouse comes first. Well, it's good timing because my mother-in-law is coming into town next month. So <laughs> I'll remind her of that one. Good, good, good luck. 
Yeah. <laughs> so for those um, for those listening to this that want to learn more about this, um, your your book is out. It's released. It's on Amazon. Um, I believe that you are offering a, a free copy to uh, to listeners of the book. Yes, uh, Rabbi Friedman. Dot com. Uh, yeah, slash gift or free gift. gift. I think it's gift. So rabbifriedman.com forward slash gift, and that's how they get a, a copy of the book for free. Or go to my web my, my website. Mm-hmm. It's good to know. It's, it's good to know. It's good to know dot com. Dot org. Dot org. Okay, you and didn't get there, the dot com. There is not just the book, but all the tapes and all the lectures and all the talks and all. A lot of stuff there. Lots a lot of, of stuff. Oh, good stuff. So we've just basically touched the tip of the iceberg here. There's a lot more. Just got a definition of what intimacy means. Right. Great. So and your grandmother told you that a long time ago when she said, in the bedroom, nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank nothing. you so much, Rabbi Manis Freeman, for coming on the show. Um, thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.